Our reading today comes from Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. Thank you, Christine. So we're now 49 days removed from Jesus' storied revelation that we'll find him where he's always found, with people vulnerable and needy. For those maybe new to Christ City or here with family, we started this journey of Lent about 49 days ago. Uh, we, we ended with Jesus and his final kind of plea to us in Matthew 25 before he makes his turn into Jerusalem, uh, showing us where he would be, that he would be and where we could find him to be, always in the place of the vulnerable and the needy. And now we're 46 days removed into this journey of Lent where we're looking to find Jesus and where we actually found Jesus already in the place where we thought he'd be, in the hearts and hurts of the sinner and those who have been sinned against. We're 46 days into discovering that he goes before us into the shadowy valley, leading and caring for us as we open to the brokenness within and without. We're 46 days into the revelation that he not only leads us into the valley of the shadow of death, into our descent, guarding us along the way. But indeed, His goodness and mercy are chasing after us, catching us up in their arms as we rise into someplace different, and yet our true home. We are now seven days removed from the vision of His different world, from the vantage point of hope where the world is open before us, the ever-expanding free world and uh, life at peace. Seven days removed from Palm Sunday, from the shouting of Hosanna, God save me, as both a plea answered as Jesus entered into the home stretch, a longing and something that's actually true and happening. We are now three days removed from that vision of life different, life more, life full, and life forever, taking a devastating blow. Our hope manifested fading into darkness and death in the most spectacular and horrific displays of defeat on the cross. And we are now some 740,000 days removed from the grief of despair, being surprised by the joy of resurrection. We are now, this morning, 2,000 plus years into a post-Easter existence. Now, if you've been with us, walking with us through the penitential Psalms of Lent, we started in Psalm 6, and we got all the way to Psalm 130 last week. And we think that Psalm 130 would be today's psalm, right? With it's evoking an image of a future so bright and beautiful, so sure that our hope for it energizes our ability to live into it. Yet this morning's psalm, at first glance, sounds a lot like the pre-Easter psalms of Lent, doesn't it? 
Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. Still, there's something different about this psalm. Just like there's something different about this morning. Rather than pleading for mercy because of affliction, rather than demanding God's action because of the crisis of faith, a crisis of self, a crisis of relationship, rather than entreating help because of disorienting circumstances or even faithful pursuits, the psalmist makes his candid, passionate, and bold address to the Holy One from the secure orientation of the Holy One Himself. In your faithfulness, answer me, the psalmist says. In your righteousness, enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. The psalmist, like us, has come a long way. From Psalm 6 to Psalm 143, the psalmist has journeyed in those psalms and through life in the midst of faith and doubt, through conflict and crisis, through difficulty and despair. The psalmist has seen life beyond the end, life in the not-too-distant future, worthy of waiting for with hope, worthy of living into even as there is still road to travel. The psalmist has experienced life in the flow and tangle of the pain of disorientation and the surprise of reorientation. In the ways we've described these last seven weeks from the Psalms, which are genuinely prayed in the way in which we genuinely pray them. The psalmist has seen life old passing away and life anew emerging from the dark, leaving the grave, beginning to see life on the other side. And yet, like you and I, the psalmist finds that even after death life is not yet as it will be. But rather than returning to the Lenten cycle, rather than re-entering the grave with those long dead, those who go down to the pits, this morning the psalmist prays with candid passion from the steadiness and security of wide-open, reborn eyes on the other side of the tomb. I remember the days of old. I see the things that have already happened. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you, for in you I trust. And on this day, of all days, it's a day that we remember what God has done. That we hold fast and meditate on what has already taken place. For it's in God we trust. We said last week that the language of the Psalms permits us to be boldly anticipatory about what may be, but what will be, as well as discerning about what has been. There's no naivety or crudility in the psalmist's prayers. The psalmist is well aware that life after death is still lived in the complexities and tensions of our ordinary days. Yet the psalmist sees, perhaps for the first time in the journey, not only the future hope, but the immediate conflict in its solution. To the conflict, the psalmist candidly confesses, For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. Could we not all pray this prayer? In some way, have we not all been praying this prayer throughout our Lenten pilgrimage? Do not the words of the psalmist's tensions and strains evoke, bring to mind images, memories, and feelings of our own struggles in midlife? Have you not felt the soul-crushing opposition to life? Have you not felt the fatigue of living in a world that is not as it can or should or will be? Certainly have. There's, yet there's something different about these complaints and these confessions from within life. The psalmist is not struggling to, to live as if he were striving after life, trying to grab hold of something elusive in distance, trying to claw himself out of the grave, but is instead experiencing the tensions in the struggle with all those forces within and without that take life. 
the adversaries of the soul. The difference between struggling to live, striving to manifest, achieve, and attain life, even one worth living for, and experiencing the difficulties of living is the difference between Friday and Sunday. The difference between before death life and after death life. Resurrected life is not free from the experiences of struggle with the forces, both inside of us and around us, those that we contribute to and those that contribute to us, that still kill and destroy life. Our faith in the one who is faithful do not reveal such a faulty view of daily living, such a, a struggleless view of life. What our faith in the one who is faithful do reveal is that the personified difficulties will neither be our end nor are they ours to overcome. And never are we alone. Let me hear in the morning, says the psalmist, of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Deliver me from my enemies, is his prayer. Which sounds a lot like Psalm 130. My soul waits for you, and in your word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, for the watchman, more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. You might notice a theme in those two, these two psalms. Besides death and taxes, what is the one thing that's sure to come? The morning. Tomorrow, as Lily sang a couple weeks ago. What has never not arrived? The morning. What will undoubtedly be, no matter the dismal or horrific evidences and experiences of any given day? A new day. A new morning. And what do you have to do to ensure this morning's advent? Wait. Watch, endure, live as if it's sure to come. In other words, live by faith in this morning. The psalmist is not naive enough to assume that the earth's daily 360-degree rotation transforms things, but is sure that the one who laid the foundation of the earth and whom the heavens are the work of his hands is the one in whom all the cycles of life the flow and tangle of orientation, disorientation, reorientation, the struggles in living, all those things take place within his grand care. That's why the psalmist prays, make me know the way I should go. Teach me to do your will. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground in open space, space not just to know which way to go, but space to even make a few stumbles and falls. This morning may seem like any other, but this morning is different. The tomb is empty. Death has been overcome. This morning means our struggle is not to live or to overcome that which conflicts with life. That's not our struggle. Our struggle is not to live, to try to gain something that's been given to us. This morning means that we follow, that we listen, that we are led that our life becomes a constant prayer, a passionate, bold address of the Holy One, who on this morning overcame the adversaries of our souls and lives. That's what this morning means. And in your steadfast love, says the psalmist, you will cut off my enemies. You will destroy the adversaries of my souls, my soul. All those things that strive within us and around us to take life have been overcome. That's the morning that we wake up into. That's this morning. Psalm 143, the final of the penitential psalms, the Psalms of Lent, has us praying not from the grief of crisis, not from, not from the struggle at life, not from the difficulties of living, 
but amid the conflict of life in a world where there is opposition to life full and forever, to new life, a world in which there's still struggle against the new. Not struggle for new, but struggle against it. Psalm 143 is a prayer between the ends that allows us to live differently in between, resurrected now, if not yet forever. But here's a question this psalm and this morning requires us to ask. What if we believe the adversaries of our souls have been destroyed? What if we believed it? What if we believe that this morning is actually a different morning? That what happened 7,000 plus days, mornings ago, 700,000 plus mornings ago, was actually true? What if we believed, as Sam read and as Jesus said some 740,000 mornings ago, that the judgment of this world had taken place and the rule of this world is cast out, knocked off its throne, proven powerless to take life, at least life entirely and forever? What would such faith mean for the conflicts we experience in daily living? What would such faith mean for the conflicts we experience in daily living and those we are in conflict with? What would it mean for the things that we struggle with and the people that we struggle with? Would such faith change the way we live? Psalm 143 is a prayer amid the conflict we all experience while also experiencing the power of God's steadfast love, His faithfulness and righteousness. A prayer in which our helplessness, our utter dependence on something other than us for life, becomes companion with God's compassion and power. Psalm 143 is a prayer in faith in the middle of real life. Life resurrected and new from where we are now as we make our way to where we will be forever. As we travel in hopeful surrender to the one who leads us, teaches us, shows us the way, and the goodness and mercy, beauty and compassion that follow us all the mornings of our lives. What if we believe that? What if we believe that each new morning that we woke up and we're not alone, that we're not left to wonder, not left to figure it out, to struggle to live, but shown, taught, and led into life whole and holy? What if we believed that each morning we wake, that we are, we are guided into, counseled into a life full of peace and purpose, even amid conflict, a life of work and rest for the flourishing of good and the good and gracious desire and wisdom of the one whose mercies are new every morning? What if we believed every morning is indeed like this morning, an Easter morning? Again, we said at the beginning that this day is different from all other days in our faith heritage. This day actually marks the beginning of our church calendar. This day marks the beginning of what it looks like to be the people of faith. Because in reality, this morning is the morning that we wake up to over and over and over and over and over and over again. What if we believe that? Would that change the way we live today and tomorrow and every tomorrow? Sure arrival. It certainly has for fair faith family in the millennia between the first Easter morning and this one. It's why Psalm 143 is prayed this morning, not just by us, but by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of others around the globe. It's why we are praying it this morning. And it can continue to change the way we live if we let it help us pray into belief into faith in a post-Easter morning. So let's do that. In just a moment, I'm going to give us some space to, be, to pray Psalm 143. A few moments, even on this Easter morning, 
for a time to reflect, to set our minds' attentions and hearts' affections, and to ask, do we believe? And what does that belief change about the way we live? In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll have a few moments to reflect, to settle into the secure orientation of Psalm 143, and to our seasonal journey's end. The end of our Lenten journey at Easter's morning, but the beginning of life after death. So after I pray, I want you to do a couple things. This is a little bit different for for us, but what I want you to do is after I pray, I want you to make your way up to the front and grab one of the communion elements right here in these baskets. They're nothing fancy. It's just a little cup of juice and and a piece of unleavened bread. I want you to take those symbols of what we receive and go back to your seats. Just hold on to them. Don't do anything with them, but just hold them in your hands. Let them be a tangible reminder of the truth of Psalm 143's irreversible enactment. That, indeed, because of God's steadfast love, our enemy has been cut off. Because of God's steadfast love and righteousness, he's destroyed all the adversaries of our soul. As Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world, now is this ruler of this world cast out. And the evidence of that, the truth of that, the the validity of that, you hold in your hand this morning as you pray. Take those symbols back to your seat. Hold them tight for a few moments as you let the questions on the screen that will have up here in just a second propel you into the prayer of faith. Whether that is a prayer of confession or praise, a prayer of longing or a prayer of satisfaction, a prayer in hope and a prayer in grace. Let the Spirit lead you on level ground this morning into all the mornings that follow. Make sense? After a few minutes of prayer, we'll just have about three, or three minutes or so of quiet prayer. We'll sing and then receive the elements in communion together, okay? All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll have some time to pray ourselves. Father, we thank you that this morning is different. Different at least in the way that we organize our life, different at least in the way that we plan, different in, le- in the way that we set our calendar, Father. But in some ways, Father, this, this morning is not any different than any other morning. This morning, too, we woke up into your grace and mercy. It was new and sufficient today. Tomorrow we'll wake into the same. Help us believe that. To be ones who, because of what you've done, can live lives whole and holy, full and complete, even amidst the difficulties and complexities of daily living. Father, I thank you for friends and family who we can come together and confess that we believe, help our unbelief, that we long for a life full and holy, Lord, and yet at times struggle with our longing. So I pray even for these next few moments that your spirit would, wherever we're at, allow us just to be open and honest to you. As we've learned in this Lenten season, Father, Lord, that you are a safe place, that you are where the vulnerable and the needy are, which is, <laughs> which is with us. So thank you for this time. Thank you for your grace. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So go ahead and come and grab the communion elements, and then you can have a few moments to pray.